for the repose of the souls of these victims in the El Paso shooting, and for an end, as we always pray, to the senseless use of guns and all the violence that goes with it in our land. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Gathering all these prayers aloud, and those in the secret of our hearts, we ask the lively intercession of the greatest woman our universe will ever know, Mary Immaculate, Our Lady of Mercy, the Pieta, when we pray. Remember, almost gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. For the ancient Jew, the first commandment of the ten is probably the most important. That's why it's first. God designed it that way. You know the first commandment. One alone is the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before you. So Judaism historically comes on the scene in the history of mankind as the first religion to proclaim formally a monotheism. Up until then, there was polytheism, many gods. And these gods in polytheism are always warring with each other. They're always competing. The god of this and the god of that, they're always fighting each other. They're always in competition. And mankind was always confused. So which god is the greatest? Who is the greatest? Is there one? And so the revelation to Moses, I alone am the Lord your God. Tell the people there is but one God. And all these other gods are but representations of natures and powers and forces of things. But no, I created all these things. My name is Yahweh. In Hebrew, I am who am. There is no other. And why this is so important is for them and for us, even now, for all mankind, that we do not get confused about which powers, which natures, whatever persons, places, and things, to remember those things, those persons, those places are not gods. They don't have the equality they're not on an equal plane with God. One alone is the Lord your God. But the temptation so often is to make people and to make things and to make places into our gods, idols. We say, even commonly, if we're not careful, oh, she's so awesome. I say this in marriage preparation. I say, well, what do you think of her? And the groom says, oh, I think she's just absolutely awesome. And I'll say, you mean God, right? Oh, no, 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 no. She's, ab no, she's not. <laughs> she could never be absolutely awesome. What'd you think of the meal? Absolutely perfect. 
only God is absolutely perfect. I know what people are saying, but we have to be mindful in our speech because we do tend to deify, if we're not careful, even unconsciously, persons, places, and things. And we ascribe to these persons, places, and things sometimes a greater priority than we do the Lord our God. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is why our Lord is saying, take care to guard against possessions, lest they control you. Oh, it's okay to have the experience of beauty and all the good things of the world and the wonderful friendships and all our families and all the things that we take great pride in, our work, for example. But when these things begin to control us, that's when they're called possessions. You've heard of demonic possession? I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about how persons, places, and things can ironically begin to possess us and take control over us. They have a kind of mastery power over us and we succumb to them. Work is a big one. That's a big possession. I so love my work, I can't stop working. The workaholic, in addiction, it's a possession. I'm possessed by work, 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 activity. How many of us have gone on vacation, for example, and come back exhausted? And we say, I need another vacation from the vacation because I was way too busy. I was, was working too much. I was too active. I didn't rest. It wasn't leisure. It was a mess. I made my work into a god. I make activities. I'm always busy, busy, busy. What are we doing today, honey? What are we doing today? What are we doing today? We're going to church. <laughs> Stop the madness. Stop the busyness, hence the word business, of the world. And observe now the other commandment, to keep holy the Sabbath day. Why? Because if we don't keep holy the Sabbath day, we get caught up into that world of being possessed by the stuff of the world, our work, activities. Wow, how many families are telling me we don't even have time to pray together anymore. We've got soccer on Sunday, we've got skating over here, we've got football over here and basketball over here, we've got all these sports and oh my God, we've got to apply for college and it's just an ever-ending cycle of work exhaustion and confusion, right? That's why one alone is the Lord my God. I got to take time out for him who took out eternal time for me, for you, for us all. It's a relationship. You all know about relationships. If we don't cultivate the relationship, it will wither. It will maybe even die. 
And this is what a lot of people unfortunately choose to do. They'll say, well, uh, I see God in everything. God is in my wife, in my husband, in my family, in my friends, in food, and fun, and in my dog, and it's everywhere. That's true in one sense. But in another sense, we call that pantheism. God is everywhere and ultimately nowhere. Now, the culture wants to dumb it down and say, you know, it's all the same, Father. All these gods are the same. All these religions are the same. Everything's the same. It's just a matter of how you perceive it. That's called relativism. It's very dangerous. And that's what our Lord is saying. No, don't buy into that culture of the Kool-Aid. Don't drink that stuff because what it does is it dumbs it down. And ultimately, it tries to eliminate me, he says, from the whole equation of your salvation. Because nature can't save you. And your Starbucks coffee can't save you. Amazon cannot save you. Your stuff, your belongings, your animals, your pets, your home, I'm sorry. I, I wish it were different, friends. Because we love all these persons, places, and things. We become so attached to them. And that's okay up to a point, as long as I'm in control. And remember, they're not gods. <laughs> Otherwise, now they're possessing me. They're possessing me. They've taken control over me. And I lose my perspective. And I forget that one alone is the Lord my God. And when I forget that God alone is the Lord my God, then I can forget about the Sabbath. Because it's all the same. I can grab a copy of the New York Times or the Outlook section and get my coffee and run off to the park and just chill out for the day. And that's my spirituality. I ask people about that. No judgment, no criticism, but I want to know. You're not religious, you say you're spiritual, so what does that mean? Tell me, I really want to know, what does it mean to be spiritual? Because you say you're not religious, but you're spiritual. And they'll tell me, well, I, I spend the day kind of reading and sleeping and eating and I maybe get a movie or see a friend. I enjoy the time to just relax. And I say, that's wonderful. We call that leisure or recreation or just downtime. But spirituality? Where's the divine in that? Where's God in that? Where's, where's something that truly says, no, one alone is the Lord my God? See, it's not there. It's not there when people dumb it down. And we all have to be very careful. We know people like this. And we want to be very charitable and encourage them to say, wait a minute. You say you're spiritual, but what does that really mean? Challenge them. Challenge yourselves. Which is why we come to Mass. We keep holy the Sabbath day in a very special way to step aside from the busyness and the workaday world and all the stuff, the possessions around us. And we say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be confused by that. I'm going to be very clear that I was created to know, to love, and to serve the Lord my God in this life so that I might do so most perfectly in the next. It's very simple. We just make it complicated by confusing it. 
with other gods, other things. And so at the end of our lives, our Lord is saying, look, my God, you've stored up all these things, all these gods for yourself, and now you forgot me, and now it's over, and now you're preoccupied with how to unload all that stuff, right? We worry about it a lot. We worry about our will, our estates, our money. These things become so preoccupying. I understand it's not easy. For what profits, what profit a man from all the toil and anxiety of heart with which he has labored under the sun? All his days, sorrow and grief is his occupation. Even at night, his mind is not at rest. It's exhausting taking care of stuff, isn't it? It's exhausting. And it's worrisome. And it builds anxiety or depression over all the stuff, all the possessions of my life that I've stored up and I'm going, oh my God, now how do I get rid of it? Years ago, my father, back in the 50s, bought out some stock in U-Store. Remember U-Store? I think it's still around. Storage. And made a lot of money on storage facilities. You can make a lot of money on storing stuff. Do you know that? It's a big operation. It kind of feeds into this whole psyche of, yeah, I've got to keep this stuff. I've got to keep it. I've got to hold on to it. Because if I let it go, if I let go of persons, places, and things, if I let go of these gods that I've created, what do I have left? Well, I have him. Who will never go away. Who's always there in his body and blood. If I lost everything today, if I lost everything today, and there are people who lose just about everything with disasters and fires and floods and the death of a family. And think about what's happened in El Paso today. My God, these families are just, again, like so many, the litany of death goes on and on. And you say they've lost everything. But they haven't lost him because he has not lost us. He's chosen to be faithful to us in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. It's a marriage covenant that he established with the Jews, completed in Christianity through Jesus Christ. I am with you always. Do not be afraid. He'll say this next week in our gospel as well. He's talking to his disciples about practicalities of how to be a disciple. And he'll say to them, echoing even today's readings, He'll say, I'm not sure what he's going to say. Hold on next week. We'll get to it. <laughs> I haven't thought that far. But he's saying all of these, be at peace. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Sell your belongings. Give alms to the poor. Begin to let go. Forget this stuff. 
not because it's bad in itself, not because we decry the world. We love the world because God created it in truth, beauty, and goodness. We celebrate art and architecture, smells and bells and music and, and fun and, and, and all the stuff that goes with it. But never to allow these things to so dominate our minds and our hearts and our, our, our worries and our preoccupations that we, we lose sight of him. So we're here today once again going back to school these summer months, just learning again, learning again, repeating again, remembering again and again and again who we are by recalling fundamentally whose we are. We belong to him. Not to these persons, places, and things, not to the gods of the world, but to him who comes to us now both in word and sacrament to refresh, to strengthen, to save us. One alone is the Lord our God. We have no other gods that can do what he has done and will do through Christ our Lord. Amen.